For those of us who have encountered the supernatural, we are forever changed by these haunting experiences. We carry a little more weight, we endure a lot more shame, and we never do quite sleep the same. They say seeing is believing, and for those who have never had a first-hand run-in with the supernatural, allow our stories to show you why you should be thankful you never have. But be warned, because like ours, your visitors might arrive when you least expect them. I'm Jacob Granado, and this is my family's ghost story. Hello everyone and welcome to part two of my family's ghost story. If you haven't yet listened to part one of the story, you should probably pause the episode and go back and listen, or else you might get lost in this one. But for those of you who did tune in last time, here's where we left off. I told you about my very first supernatural encounter ever. I was about 10 years old when I watched as this old woman slowly walked out of my grandma's restroom, inched her way through the room with her metal walker, and out of my sight forever. And it wasn't until much later that I realized that who I saw that morning was the ghost of an old woman that has always haunted my grandma's house. Then, my family moved into a new home in Redlands where during the first year of living there, I was there alone in the middle of the day when I heard the footsteps and whispers of a man and a woman right outside my bedroom door that seemed to just vanish as quickly as they had appeared. And I left you with the story of the shadows that I began seeing throughout the following years, like the dark shadow that grew as it got closer and closer to my shower door. But this was all just a taste of the full story. I had to ease you in, almost in the same way that the ghost of the boy that haunted my family for years seemed to ease his way into our lives before making his presence known to all of us. But where did he come from? How did we know it was a little boy? And just how bad did things get in our house? Let me walk you back into our haunted home as you relive some of the most terrifying memories with me and my family, 
And stick around until the very end as my parents will be joining us to go over the following events in more detail and to answer the questions that you have sent in about our haunted past. Throughout middle school and into the beginning of high school, a lot of things were changing for me and my family, and not all of them for the better. For me, I was going through my super, super awkward identity searching years as I tried my hand at all sorts of ugly styles that the mid-2000s had to offer. In just a matter of years, I went from wearing baggy Dickies t-shirts and these thick skater shoes to skinny jeans, thrift store sweaters, and literally neon red hair. I was going through puberty, but like, barely. I never grew, and my voice never deepened, but I got body hair, so at least there was that. And most importantly, and most traumatizing, I was battling with my sexuality. And I don't really want to hover on these struggles too much, at least for this episode, but not the funnest time. And my family. My parents have a love story that is just too complicated to just skip over, and it definitely plays into the story. So, the shortened version is that my parents separated around the time that I started high school. My dad moved out, my mom stayed at our house in Redlands, and then it became legal by the time that I was a senior in high school and they were officially divorced. But not to worry, because a few years later, they rekindled the flame and they fell back in love and they have since remarried. And again, I don't mean to air out their dirty laundry or anything like that. Just remember, it's part of our story. So we are all going through these awkward and pretty emotional phases. So I don't think we really gave the noises and shadows that much attention, or maybe we didn't have the energy to really do anything about them. But that's not to say that we didn't notice them, because it was impossible not to. On a typical night, we would all be sitting in the living room watching a movie or something, and then you would hear. It was like someone had jumped off of the bed in my parents' room, which was directly above our heads, and then ran into their bathroom or into the hallway. And I remember so many times like this where we would all just freeze and look at each other to confirm that we weren't all crazy and that we had heard it. Then usually my dad would be the one to get up and go check. Because I mean, he's the dad and also, at the time, I didn't think he was ever scared of anything. Being a homicide detective for one of the most crime-ridden cities in America will do that to you. But that was before he first saw that little boy. Anyways, any normal night, we would hear the running upstairs, we'd pause the movie, and my dad would get up off of the couch, turn on the light for the stairs, make his way up, and then we'd hear him overhead walking through our rooms, only to come back with the same shrug that we had gotten so used to. And we would carry on like normal, or as normal as we could. 
Wherever I go, I'm always the last one awake. So I remember nights like these, everyone would fall asleep watching the movie, but not me. I'd be awake and I would still hear a thud or a creak every so often and I'd move my eyes up towards the dark, unlit hallway upstairs where I couldn't see anything. But I always wondered if someone was up there looking right back down at me. This was our new normal. The noises would startle us, then my dad would go check and our heart rates would fall back down to normal. And then we'd carry on always anticipating the next noise. But still, we all knew that whoever it was wasn't trying to harm us or scare us that bad. At least, not yet. One dark, rainy day in the fall, my mom is at work and she's there later than normal when her friend Katrina tells her, you better hurry up and leave or you're going to be here alone with the little boy. The little boy? My mom's confused, but rather than pressing Katrina for more details about it, my mom says, you know what, forget it. I don't want to know about it. I'm here a lot by myself. When she finally gets off, she drives home, makes dinner for us, and then goes into our downstairs office to finish some work. By this time, Katrina's offhand comment about the little boy had mostly just been forgotten about. While my parents were separated, they kept a mostly civil relationship with one another. Maybe that made us a pretty unconventional family, but we would still have a lot of family dinners and we still celebrated birthdays and holidays all together as a family. But whatever the reason, my dad was at our house pretty late that night and when it was time for him to head back to his place, he made his way upstairs to tell us all goodnight. My two youngest brothers, Jason and Justin, shared a room upstairs nearest my parents, or I guess what was now just my mom's bedroom, and they had been asleep for at least an hour or two by this point, so he was just going up there to check on them and probably kiss them in their sleep. When you walk up the stairs, remember there's a hallway directly to the right which leads to my old room and Jared's old room, but straight ahead is a small loft. And to the left of the loft is the room that Jason and Justin shared. They used to share a bunk bed back then. Justin was on the bottom bunk and Jason was on the top. So my dad gets to the top of the stairs and when he moves closer and closer to their bedroom door, which is only slightly open, he sees what he assumes to be Justin sitting straight up in his bed. His dad instincts kick in, ready to scold him for being up in bed this late. He pulls the door completely open, and when he walks through the door and flips on the light, the silhouette of whoever was sitting there just vanishes. He instantly gets a chill that runs from his head down to his toes as he double checks that it wasn't Justin. Justin is sound asleep and Jason is too up in his bed. 
My dad waits outside their door for a minute to ensure that they're both asleep, and when neither of them wake up, he runs down the stairs to tell my mom about what he had just seen. I was downstairs working. Dad walked in, and he was like, his hands were shaking, and his he was like, look at my arms, and he had goosebumps, and he's like, Bernie, I swear to God, I just saw somebody sitting on the boy's bed, and he thought it was you. And um, he said he turned on the light and there was nobody there. I just know that it was that night. I had never heard about the little boy, never heard them talk about it. And then that night, I didn't even think twice about it when I went home. And um, I didn't mention it. Dad didn't say anything. That night is the night that Dad saw something in the boys' room. dawned on my mom that maybe whatever little boy her coworker had told her about had followed her home. The next day at work, my mom told Katrina all about my dad's experience the night before, and Katrina revealed everything she knew about the little boy. How different coworkers would be alone in the building and hear doors close and open and even see shadows of a little boy running through the lobby. But there was one specific instance that has always stayed in the back of Katrina's mind. It was raining really hard that day, and me and I were walking through the lobby, and we noticed this little bike, and it was leaning up against the doors. And we're like, what's that bike doing out there? Who would ride a little bike like that? So we, we told someone, and then they had custodial come and pick it up, and they threw it away. So the next morning when we came in, which we would come in early, the bike was there again, leaning up against the doors. And we're like, I thought they came in through this away. So they called again, and we saw them throw it in, in the dumpster. And then the next morning when we came in, there it was again, the little bike. We're like, what's with this little bike? It just kept coming back. And we're like, who would go into the dumpster and pull that out? And who would know that it was even in there? You know, And why would they put it exactly in the same spot? <laughs> and then another thing that happened was in our bathrooms. We would have these stalls. These were only employee bathrooms. And we had like three stalls. So we would always have the light on in there. And the stall doors were always open. Because, you know, just know that nobody's in there. But sometimes when you would come in, all those stall doors would be closed and the lights would be completely off. And you wouldn't know, you walk in and it just kind of stunned you. Like, why is this so dark and why are all the doors closed? And you'd want to turn the lights on and then open everything. And then you would leave and if you came right back, it would be dark again with all the doors closed again. I'm not going to go into too much detail about where my mom and Katrina worked, but the building they did work in had been constructed on top of the demolished San Bernardino Community Hospital, which might possibly explain where the little boy had died. The only part of the hospital that was preserved were these bungalows that have become part of that building and many of their coworkers insist that this is the center of it all. It would get really cold back there. It, I mean, like literally you could probably see your breath 
that's how cold it would get back there and i think that's probably the reason why a lot of activity happened back there but you know it was just it's a it's a kid you know and they just want to kind of mess around and you can hear things back there when you're back there working by yourself you hear a lot of noises and you're like what's that you know little bangings door closing you know and my mom's office at the time was attached to this part of the building so had he followed my mom as she unknowingly brought him home to live with us or is it just a coincidence that both their work and our home was being haunted by a little boy we may never know for sure but to this day my mom and katrina both believe that nothing scary has ever happened at that building since, or at least nobody has ever admitted to seeing the boy again. Now I'm in my senior year of high school. It's 2011. My youngest brothers are still in elementary school. My parents still living in different places. And I was really lucky my senior year because I didn't have a first or a sixth period in my last semester. So in the morning, I was always the last one in my family to leave the house. And then I'd be back home before my three brothers ever got let out of school. It's the 9th of May, my brother Jared's birthday, but to me, it's just a day like any other. It's my senior year and it's flying by and now I'm just a few weeks away from graduation. Senior year, you're required or you were at least required back then to take a class called government and I had that class right before lunch this day. We were not allowed to have our phones even powered on in government so I'd turn it off and throw it in my backpack until class got out. As soon as it did, I'm out the door and walking with my friends towards our usual lunch hangout spot. I take my phone out of my backpack and I power it on, and it takes a minute because phones used to do that. And when it does, I have three missed calls and a few texts from my dad. Before I can even think about calling him back, he's calling me again, and I'm worried that something really bad might have happened to somebody in our family or something. So I answer it, and he's like, Jake, where are you? And I'm like, I'm at school. My phone was off. I'm going to lunch now. And he's like, what the heck did you do? And I'm confused. I'm like, what did I do? What are you talking about? And he's like, the cabinets and the pillows. And now I'm even more confused. And before I could even ask anything, he says, come on, you're just playing a joke on us. My friends all look concerningly at me as my jaw drops when he tells me what had just happened. As I mentioned, it was Jared's birthday, and this is a whole other story, but he and I didn't attend the same high school. Anyway, his sixth period was baseball, and since it was his birthday, the coach was letting him and his teammates take a day off of practice or something like that, and they were just going to hang out and play PS4. So he brought his PS4 to school, but left a cord at home or something. So he called my dad to pick it up from my mom's house and bring it to him at school. 
My dad would often pick up my brothers from their school, which was only a few blocks away from our house, and then either take them to my mom's house or to his, and this day they had a half day, so it worked out. He would pick them up from school, stop at my mom's to get the cord that Jared needed, and then take the boys back to his place. He picks up Jason and Justin, and being as full of energy as any first and third grader would be, they bolted into the home just ahead of my dad, and just when my dad catches up with them, he notices that they are both standing there, frozen in their tracks, mouths wide open, eyes frightful at the scene in front of them. In the kitchen, every single drawer and every single cupboard is open. Every drawer is pulled out the exact same amount, halfway between fully open and fully shut, and every cupboard door is neatly opened a full 90 degrees. A wave of fear must have washed over them as they walked into this, but they were too focused on the cabinets and the drawers to realize that there in the living room, directly behind them, every cushion and every pillow from our couches were stacked neatly into a single pile in the middle of the room. Initially, my dad thought it could have been a robbery, but seeing how uniform the drawers and doors were and with nothing being missing from the house, he ruled that out pretty quickly. So this is when he calls me while I'm at school. This is now the only logical explanation that he could come up with, knowing that I was the last one to leave the house that morning and that I had done it, I guess, to play a prank on my family. After all, the Paranormal Activity movies were popular around this time, and this could have easily been a scene from one of them. And I'll admit it, pranking my family is definitely something that I do, but as I've mentioned, I was always the last one out and the first one back into our house every day, so why would I have done this and why would I have done it before school? And also, why would I have done this at all? I think for years they wanted to believe that it was all just one big terrible prank and I too so badly wish that it had been me that had done it. May turns to June and I finally bid farewell to high school. My friends and I try to go to any and every party that we hear about because in our minds, we're finally done, finally free to live our lives. For me, being 18 and graduated, I had more freedom, so I would stay the night at a lot of my friends' houses, we would spend all day at the beach or the mall or something, and I was hardly ever home. Really, I kind of just put it all behind me, so out of sight out of mind. In my absence though, Jared had become the target of whatever was happening in our house. Ironically, a year or two later on his birthday again, Jared and his two friends, and we'll call them Kyle and Benny, 
had gone after their baseball game to one of the most popular pizza spots in Redlands, this place called Uncle Howie's, to celebrate. They order two pizzas, a large order of wings, and watch whatever game is playing, and I mean, that's all he really wanted to do. He was too old by now to stay and play the arcade games there, so when they were finished eating, the plan was to just head back to my mom's house and hang out there. Kyle's older brother had to be the one to pick the three of them up from Uncle Howie since none of them had a car. So he does, he picks them up in his truck and he drives them a few miles to our house and drops the boys off. That's when Jared realizes that he doesn't have a key. I think this was a regular thing he did, I could be wrong, but anyways, if we ever needed to get into the house, there would be at least one window downstairs that was unlocked so we could slide it open and crawl through it. And this was before we had an alarm system and cameras, so don't even try it now. And also, this was long before my parents had an electronic keypad installed on the front door. So Jared, Kyle, and Benny are going to try to find a window or something, some way to get in. So they make their way to the right side gate, they open it, and they try the first window. The window to the downstairs office and gym, and it's locked. So they make their way around to the back of the house, and the kitchen window is next, and it's locked. And then our sliding door is next, which of course is always locked. And then there's two windows in our living room, which are both locked. That leaves only one left to try. On the left side of the house is a window that peeps into the front living room, which is just where we have a pool table and a bar set up. And of course, that one too is locked. So now they're feeling defeated. Nobody's home. Nobody's coming home in the next few hours. He doesn't have his house key. They can't get in through any of the windows. So Kyle calls up his brother to come back for them. But it's the middle of the day. I mean, he felt he had done his job by dropping them off. So he just blew them off and said something like, I'm not coming back. You guys just need to figure it out. So they head on over back to the right side of the house to the gate to go into the front yard. When Kyle decides to just double check that that very first window that they tried, the office window, was for sure locked. Jared and Benny walk on ahead when Kyle presses his forehead to the dusty window and through the blinds, he sees someone, a boy, inside the house. He says, hey, your brother's here. Jared stops in his tracks and turns around and he's like, what? And Kyle replies, yeah, I'm pretty sure I just saw Jake walking around downstairs. So now Jared feels dumb. He's thinking to himself like, wow, this whole time I assume nobody was home. So they go around to the front door and they try the doorbell, but there's no answer. So he takes out his phone and he calls me. It was just a random call, but I'll always remember it for some reason. I was at one of my friend's houses and seeing Jared's name light up on my phone, I answer it and he's like, Jake, are you home right now? And I'm like, no, I'm at my friend's. Meanwhile, Benny is now looking into that same office window, face pressed into it, to see if he can see whatever Kyle had just seen. Jared hangs up with me and tells them, guys, Jake's not here. And when he says this, 
Benny jumps back quickly, launching himself back off of the window, eyes wide open in fear, and says, Bro, I just saw him. Someone is inside your house. A few minutes later, once their fears had subsided a little bit, someone checked the garage door just one more time, and this time, they twisted it and it opened. Whether it had somehow got stuck, or if they just hadn't checked it right the first time, or if someone or something possibly unlocked it, remains a mystery. And obviously, once they had gotten inside, they avoided being downstairs, but especially in the downstairs office. A number of hours had passed, Benny and Kyle had left, the family had all come home, and Jared kind of just moved on. After all, he hadn't seen anything, just Kyle and Benny had. And I mean, they could have just been messing with his head, right? So anyway, I went to go play PlayStation that night and went into the office, hadn't gone in there since we got there, mind you. Turned the light on and the desk I was playing on was like slightly shifted away from the window, like exactly where the window is. So if you're looking at the window, directly to the left of it is where that desk is. It's like kind of covers a couple inches of the window. And then to the right of it was a freaking Bowflex. Well, both of them were like slightly pushed and angled backwards as if someone was like, I don't know, pulling them or if like something like, I mean, picture like a magnet quickly pulling and then just stopping. It's like both those things were just shifted to the end and there was a little trash can right there that had like a bunch of paper in it from like mom's stuff um, inside that desk. And the desk or that trash can was knocked over, like facing the door. That So you walk in, the trash can was knocked over facing it with just papers everywhere. And all the blinds were closed except for like the third one was like flat horizontally as if like, so if like the blinds are closed and you go up and you want to peek out of it and you turn it. All the freaking blinds were closed besides that one. And I freaked out. I have chills just talking about it because I remember freaking out and thinking about that. And yeah, so I don't know what they saw. I didn't see anything. I didn't look into the window. I just called you and then the door was open. So I ended up going around and I was like, you guys are tripping. And then, yeah, I remembered that and uh, getting chills right now thinking about it. So now our fears were starting to grow. What started out as just noises and footsteps was now transforming into something that people could actually see. Now that my dad had seen him and Jared's two friends had seen him, all of the other things that came before started to make more sense. These were not just coincidences, and they were not just natural noises. There was a little boy who was staying in our home. With this realization, our fears started to dominate our lives. And with that anxiety, as dramatic as it might sound to an outsider, our quality of life, or at least mine, started to become affected by whatever was happening in our house. And rather than bring us closer together, the house started to feel darker, colder, stronger, and physically bigger 
than any of us, as if it were trying to isolate each of us, to get us each alone and then ambush us so that no matter where we went, whenever we got back home, it was the last place we ever felt safe. Whatever this little boy wanted, we were unwillingly giving it to him because it would be years before he would ever leave. And just what he was physically capable of doing was soon to be revealed. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of My Family's Ghost Story. If you or anyone you know has an encounter story with the supernatural, please message us on Instagram at crackpopnetwork or our website crackpopnetwork.com. I will return next Monday with a crack pop episode. This one involves a real life expedition that resulted in one of the deadliest and strangest mysteries of all time. See you soon. Okay, everybody. I'm here with both of my parents right now in the house where it all went down. We've got the candles going, the video camera recording in case anything happens. And I have a few questions that I want to ask them about the events that I just covered and also some questions that you guys submitted for them. So let's just jump right into it with the question that's probably on everybody's mind. Why didn't we move out of the house? I think the reason why we didn't move out is because there was nothing actually threatening to us or that I felt was threatening to us. Um, it was instances where we would hear or see something, but didn't lead to anything that caused us any fear, like you have to get out of here. And they weren't happening all the time. What do you think? I think the same thing. It was always something that we kind of wanted to explain away. We hear footsteps upstairs, but oh, it could be the dog but the dog was sitting right next to us, but it could be the house creaking. You know, there could be a window open. and So it was never enough to want to pack up and leave. All right, and the next question is, uh, who was the least scared and why? This question comes from my friend Brittany. I would say the boys are probably the least scared just because they were protected from most of what happened. Yeah, for sure, we didn't let them know we were afraid or, you know, weirded out by anything that happened. So they didn't really know a whole lot about what was going on in the house. Yeah, I remember, like, when things would happen, you wouldn't want us to talk about them in front of the boys. Even if I was not telling them, I was telling you, you didn't want us to do it in front of the boys. Right. I think that I was trying to show you guys that I was the least scared. 
only because I think if I would have freaked out, then I think everybody would have freaked out and everybody would have been more worried than we were. Looking back at it, you know, it didn't seem like there were a lot of instances, but when you add them up, there, there were quite a few that you just couldn't say, okay, that's a coincidence, that there was something happening here. So I just had to try to stay calm you know, as best I could for everybody, but they would freak me out, I'm not gonna lie. Disclaimer, if you hear a dog breathing or snorting, it's my parents' Frenchie, Kona. (sighs) (laughs) Kyle wants to know what I did, or what did I do after the shower door opened? Um, I opened the shower door, so I don't know if I made that clear in the episode, but uh, I saw the shower light coming towards me, and I opened the door. What did I do? I don't know. I just, I think I probably just ended the shower and freaked out, and went straight to my room but I don't remember I don't remember anything else the next question comes from my friend Liz she said did y'all ever play the Ouija board no dad and I never did Jared he says he didn't but we found a Ouija board in our garage it sounds like something he would do here (laughs) I never did I never messed with any of that anytime anybody even joked about it no, I ran the other way. I would never, knowing what was happening in our house, even the little things, I did not want to make it worse. Thank you, Jake. <laughs> Thanks, Jared. I guess then, besides the Ouija board, what other like weird things have you messed with in the past? So, like, spirits and stuff like that was nothing really new to me because my family, my parents aunts and uncles, friends, I don't remember exactly which ones are there, and I don't know what would bring it on. I just remember them like sitting around circles, around a table, and talking to the table or talking to something. And looking back at it, um, I, I think I was probably maybe seven or eight years old at the most. They were probably maybe playing with a Ouija board because they were talking to something and asking it questions. But then I remember them like specifically saying, up, table up, like chanting that. And I remember this aluminum folding tray that we had in our house just like flew across the room. I'm like, what the heck? Everybody though, nobody was really freaked out about it because I think everybody's parents were just doing this kind of stuff. I mean, it was always like a joke as a kid, like seeing ghosts. People would talk about seeing ghosts a lot. Um, I never did, but we, I would experience stuff like that. And so I, I think that's why it wasn't like a shock to me that there was something here because I experienced stuff like that. Do you think they were trying to contact somebody specifically or like they were just trying to contact any ghost or? Um, I think they were drunk. <laughs> could could have been, and they were just bored. But it was game. just a weird. It was just a, a weird point. Play in time. clue. It was just a <laughs> right. weird time where I mean, my I remember my parents didn't, didn't like, always. My family never did any of this stuff. So. <laughs> it wasn't all the time like, hey, let's do this. But I just remember a few times, and they probably stand out in my mind because of what I was seeing. But um, I mean, there was times where parents would get together with, with family and friends and never do any of this stuff. But then there was a few times where this would happen, and. Um, I don't know if they were trying to recall it to somebody because obviously, you know, there's loved ones that had passed. I think my mom, my dad particularly lost his um, parents when he was younger. And so I don't know who they were calling or it was just some kind of like seance type thing where they wanted to reach out to a spirit. And I don't know who brought it in. Looking back at my parents, I don't know if it was their idea. I doubt it. it must have been somebody else that they knew. Um, so yeah, I don't know exactly what they were trying to do. I need a whole episode on grandma and grandpa (laughs) so I remember when I was writing this episode I thought about 
Mandy, our dog, when we were growing up, um, she would always act really strange in the house. Do you remember that? She still acts strange in the house. She'll stand at the foot of the stairs and just stare upstairs like she's looking at somebody for the longest time. You know, I'll call her, she'll look at me, and then she'll look back upstairs. And sometimes I find her laying her whole body along the wall, which is really hard to explain, but she'll have her belly pressed up against the wall with her arms and legs outstretched, and it's just so weird. And, you know, it'll be in the hallway or behind my door, and just where she has anxiety. I don't know if it's from things she's witnessed, but my poor dog has anxiety. Same. Your poor son does, too. (laughs) (laughs) But I've, you can, like Mandy, particularly in our room, like she'll stare out into like the bathroom, like somebody's in there, and we know there's nobody in there because we're here in the in the bedroom. Or she'll stare out into mom's closet, looking at something. Like what is she looking at? And so I, I think that definitely Mandy senses something. She used to do that to me too. If she was on my bed, it'd freak me out because it'd be like late at night, and she would just be laying down asleep, and then she'd get up suddenly and just like stare at the door or like. It was really scary when she would like watch something like it looked like she was watching something move on the walls or I don't know she would follow it with her eyes and that was always the scariest thing to me I feel like pets can sense something that we can't this next one's for my mom because the stories that I've included in the episodes are about me and my brothers and my dad but it's because my mom I don't think has um, experienced anything really big but what are some instances that you've experienced well almost everything I've experienced has been with all of you guys you know when we hear something upstairs or that's kind of snoring we hear um, a noise in the bathroom or something you know it's always been with all of you there's been um, a few times where I've told the story of the little boy because it's just so crazy to me you know and I've told a couple of my friends and one friend was over with her family and we were talking about it and she wanted to turn the light off and her kids were like no no don't turn off the light and then the light just turned off you know and I thought okay well maybe it's the bulb went out or you know something and I went over and the light was still light switch was still on and I turned it off and then turned it back on again and it turned right on and another time I was sitting with a friend in the living room telling her the story we heard a noise in the kitchen, which was right behind us, and we went over to look, and there was a bag that had been on the chair all day. You know, we had been there at least an hour or longer, and the bag just fell right off of the chair. You know, it wasn't hanging on the chair, it was sitting on the chair, and it just fell right off of the chair. Nothing's like that happened, but nothing to make me want to move. Like whatever it was, was trying to make itself known when you talked about it. Right. It's like, prove it. Yes, exactly. All right, and we have another question from Alexa, and she wants to know if anything was ever caught on video, which is a good question because uh, in part three, which will be out in two weeks from now, um, I'm covering something that we did catch on video. There was one thing, it wasn't scary though. I don't want to give away too much, but with all of this, we never caught anything on video, right? No, but we did have paranormal investigators come out to our house. That's a spoiler, too. That's 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 part three. Oh, sorry. 
All right, and then I explained the story already in the episode, but what happened the night that you thought you saw that little boy? Okay, so that night, um, I had just gotten here. I asked uh, my mom if I could come by and see the boys before they went to sleep. Unfortunately, it took me longer to get here. Anyways, when I got here, your mom, mom said they're probably asleep. And I remember I was talking to your mom downstairs for a little while. So I figured, oh, okay, they're probably asleep. So let me just go see, you know, kiss them or whatever, just check on them and then go home. And so I'm walking up the stairs. And as I get to probably a third stair from reaching the top, I could see what I thought was one of them sitting up in bed. I'm like, oh, those little suckers are still awake. So I think I was just like going to sneak in on them real quick and try to catch them. But so when I got up to the top of the stairs and walked over to the door, I could no longer see in the, in the room, but I immediately opened the door. I'm, I'm talking within three or four seconds at the most, maybe. And they were just both out. Not a peep. I didn't hear like the covers rustling, the bed squeaking, nothing. I'm like, what the heck? And I'm just watching Justin like, okay, he's, maybe he's playing a trick on me. And he's just like dead to sleep. I'm like, holy crap, what was that? Because I definitely saw a little boy, and they were little boys at the time, sitting in their bed. And I just freaked out at that point. I remember the, the hair on my back of my neck stood up, and I got goosebumps, and I was like, what the heck? And I just like, I couldn't believe it because I knew I saw something or someone at that time. And he came downstairs and told me, and he's like, he looked like he saw a ghost, literally, and he was holding his arms up and saying, look at my arms, and he had goosebumps. And I immediately thought about the little boy Katrina had told me about that day when she said, you better not stay too late, you're gonna be alone with the little boy. And I hadn't even thought twice about it. You know, I just thought it was probably just a silly story and I didn't really, I didn't know anything about it. I sure didn't mention it to dad. And then that happened and so we assumed it was the little boy from work. How do you know for sure it wasn't like the boys pretending to be asleep? Cause I know I've done that to you probably before, but you knew that they weren't just pretending to be asleep or Justin wasn't pretending to be asleep because Justin was on the bottom bunk. Yeah, Justin was on the bottom, Jason was on top. And like I said, I after I went in there and noticed that they were both in bed, I waited to see like, okay, he tried just to cover up real fast. And so I waited for a few seconds and nothing, there was no peep. And like I said, it was quiet up in the top of the loft. There was no, no noise up there. And so I would have heard something and there was nothing, it was just dead quiet. And I remember looking at Justin and I'm like, He's, freaking, he's asleep. So what the heck did I just see? Because somebody was sitting in the bed. I was I was sure of that, that someone was sitting in the bed. All right. And with the cabinet situation and the drawers, what was your gut reaction when you walked into that scene? So my gut reaction was, again, I was walking into the house. Um, the boys were, were with me. And we had just come in to get something for Jared to take to him at school. And so being little boys, I opened the door and they just took off. I just remember them coming to a, like, a dead stop as they walked into the living room, just looking towards the kitchen, I'm like, what the heck? So when I caught up to them, I look, and I can see that every drawer is pulled open, every cabinet's swung open. So I immediately thought, someone broke into our house. You know, being a cop for so long, that's my initial thought. And when I start looking a little more closely as I walk into the kitchen, I could see that every cabinet is swung open at a perfect 90 degree angle. And they're all lined up perfectly. And then every drawer, this pulled out evenly. It's not like random. They're just all pulled out evenly. It was every single one. Every single one was just like that. I'm like, what the heck? So then I knew this wasn't a burglary. Um, no one broke in. This is this wasn't this is something a little more serious. So then I immediately just started closing all the drawers and the and the cabinets and the boys did the same thing. 
but I remember Justin goes, well, look at this. And he went over to the living room and I didn't see this when I walked in. He did though. I was focused on the kitchen and all the cushions from the couches had been, I think we had red couches at the time, had been pulled off the couch and were stacked up evenly on top of each other in the middle of the living room. So then I go, okay, someone's up, someone's playing a joke and immediately thought, I think Jake did it. I remember immediately calling you like, okay, Jake, what did you do? And you obviously denied it at the time. So my gut reaction initially was that someone broke in, but after all that was explained away and I talked to you, I'm like, that was definitely something that was done on purpose by somebody who knows. I still don't know how or why it happened. And I knew it wasn't you because you were the last one to leave in the morning and then the first one to get home in the afternoon. So if you did it, it would be for your own entertainment, you know, walking in and saying, oh, look at all the cabinets, are, you know. So I knew that that wasn't something you would have done. And Jared didn't drive at the time. The boys were with dad the night before, so I can't even explain the cushions. You know, if I had seen the cushions like that before I went to bed, or if there had even been one or two, I would have picked them up and put them back on the couch. So nothing It was like that when I left for work in the morning and took Jared to school. And my mom counted how many cabinets and drawers there are, and there are... There are 47 cabinets and drawers in the kitchen. So there's not just like, oh, it just was a little earthquake and they all opened and there was five or ten you know it was there's a lot of cabinets and they were all open (sighs) okay and justin has just joined us um to talk about his experience when you walked in that day and you saw the cupboards and the cabinets all open how did you feel were you scared i don't remember really being scared i remember being a little shocked. I'm not sure if it was terror or if I was just surprised. I just stopped and just saw all the couch cushions on top of each other, waited for my dad to go see the rest of the house and all the cupboards and drawers were pulled open and yeah. You weren't scared? Were you like, were, did I, you think someone was in the house? I thought someone was in the house but everything was still there so if somebody was in our house they weren't trying to steal from us they were just trying to scare us or something but I don't understand that. How old were you? Do you like? Do you remember it? I six or seven years old, probably. You don't remember it like super well. You just no. I just remember just that part, running in the house and seeing all that. It's like one of those images that sticks with you. Yep, I remember. I can picture it right now. Okay, and I know you were really, really young at the time of all of this happening in the house, but do you remember anything specifically ever happening to you? And did you feel like scared at all being in the house? I think I was just always scared of the dark, scared of loud noises. I guess I would hear things here and then, being downstairs and hearing things upstairs. It would, it would scare me a little bit. And then all the stories that I would hear from siblings and my parents would scare me a little bit. We tried our best to protect you. <laughs> <laughs> he must have been listening. Sometimes my dog, Mandy, she would just stare upstairs when I'm home alone watching TV with her downstairs and she would just stare. I'd have no idea what was going on, but I just ignored it. And I guess looking back at it, it's a little scary now to think about. But you never like, you never saw shadows or like? No shadows. Just dumps and Mandy. Dumps, yep. Hey Mandy. I guess there was this one time where I I was sleeping in my room and then I hear a noise and I go out to see what it is and it's my brother Jason sleepwalking for the first time ever, he's never done it and he hasn't done it since. And he was 
bloodshot eyes telling me that people were making fun of him and just crying and yeah he freaked out he was saying mom make them stop laughing at me the kids are laughing at me you know tell them to stop tell them to all stop laughing at me and he cried and cried and it was one time he had never done it before he never has never done it since but that was very scary for all of us like he was possessed or just yeah. that he was having yeah it seemed like he was but i think thinking about it it's just sleepwalking but it's just weird that it's never happened and it never happened before for him all right and i want to end this interview on a question that i have for you guys are you at all ashamed or embarrassed of what happened with the ghost in our house i'm not ashamed um i think that if you guys had been freaked out and didn't want to live here and you know we didn't take you seriously and move out I'd be ashamed but it would never got to that point and embarrassed I am sometimes you know when I tell people the story because they don't it kind of seems like people don't believe it unless you've experienced it you're not going to believe it you're not going to believe that something like that could happen or you're going to explain it away and like dad said there were just too many things to explain away so a little embarrassed people don't understand people don't believe me but not ashamed i don't think i'm either one um i'm not ashamed of it because nothing there's nothing that we did to bring this on i think it's something that happens to a lot of people obviously there's a lot of talk about it on tv media stuff like that there's shows about it and it was just our turn i think um same thing about being embarrassed you know um like again we didn't bring it on ourselves and we didn't put you guys in a situation where you guys felt unsafe. I mean, had that come up, then we definitely would have taken, you know, done something differently. But I think it was something that we were all kind of freaked out about. Then we all kind of just kind of, I think, moved on and kind of like chalked it up as, okay, well, there's something here. It hasn't done anything to us. I mean, I don't think we ever felt unsafe. So um, there was no way I would have been, you know, I feel ashamed or embarrassed about that. For me, I think definitely back when it was happening, I felt ashamed because I felt like my house was a scary house and my family was the scary family and like it was my fault or something like I like for some reason I had brought it into the house or like the demon was following me or trying to get me or something. I, I don't know, but I, all, I definitely felt ashamed at the time. Not really embarrassed. I don't think I've ever really felt embarrassed about it. But now with telling the story it's kind of cathartic because I think there are, like you said, there are other people who have gone through things similar to ours and hearing their stories kind of validates our own because we don't feel so alone by, I mean, experiencing these things. I can understand why you don't believe it if it's never happened to you before, but as I say at the top of the episode, let our stories be a reminder to you why you should be thankful you never have.